0: We are continuing in our our series uh, that we just started last week, and as we continue to talk about uh, what it means, what it looks like to be connected as the church, as we're supposed to be, uh, as the original church was, uh, today our focus is going to be on connected by fellowship, connected by fellowship, why that's important, what that looks like. Connected by Fellowship. Uh, if you have watched TV at all recently, there's a commercial that seems to be playing frequently from AT&T, and uh, the whole point of the commercial is is about the importance of connection. And they talk over and over and over again about how connection changes everything. And, and every scene, there's something about connection. And so AT&T gets it, and that's what they're using to uh, prompt us to buy more of their phones is the importance of connection, and they, they are promising to provide that. You know, we will provide you the connection that is so important. Connection changes everything. We want you to be part of that. Come get our product. It'll help you do that. And certainly, yes, connection does change everything, and we know when we have it. We know how great it is when we, when we feel connection and connected to other people. We know when we don't have it. We know how much we miss it when it's not there. So on the, on the surface, I think we would all agree, connection changes everything. Um, scripture agrees with that. We see that pattern in the early church, that as they connected, we'll get into that more in just a minute, as they connected, truly connected, it did change everything for them. But, of course, the connection that changes everything is not going to be found in any product It's not going to be found in a thing. It's not going to be found in in stuff, in going to the right place, or having the right object, or the right gadget, or whatever. None of those things are going to really fully deliver on the connection that does change everything. What's going to accomplish that connection that we all are looking for, we said last week it starts with the Word, the Word of God, that Scripture is our foundation for All of the other connection points. But right after Scripture, and as we are connecting to Scripture, we should be connecting by fellowship, by fellowship. Acts 242 is our main verse uh, for all of these different connection points that we're looking at. This is the blueprint that the early church had that they pursued and it's certainly one that we should follow today. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word. That's what we looked at last week. And then next, to the fellowship. That's our focus today. To the fellowship. To the breaking of bread next week. And we'll finish up by this last connection point, to prayer. So for today, as we center around fellowship and that concept... Fellowship in the Greek that's used here is koinonia, koinonia, and it means to hold something in common or to share with others in something, uh, a common goal, a common pursuit, a common passion. It's where we get our English word, community, from, and it's also, if you're interested, it's the name of our Wi-Fi network. Koinonia is the the Wi-Fi network, and if you're looking for that, there you go. And uh, the password is community. Imagine that, right? And of course it would be that, because when applied to the church, when you apply fellowship or koinonia to the church, it means a community of shared faith. That's what it should be. And so it's fitting, isn't it, that faith Baptist... Would, be, uh, would have Koinonia as our, our network ID. So, yeah, it's a community of shared faith, and that's certainly what we should be thinking of when we think of the body of Christ. It's a community of shared faith and shared purpose from our faith, a shared purpose of pursuing Christ, Christ-likeness, of pursuing love in Christ with one another, of pursuing evangelism and discipleship. That's what should drive us, and that's what should be Uh, the main identifier for us. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that we will always agree on every detail. Make sure you hear me on that. That is not what fellowship actually means, and that's not what it promises. It does not mean we'll always agree on every little tiny detail, because we won't. We won't. It doesn't mean that our fellowship will be perfect, It won't. We aren't perfect. We're imperfect people fellowshipping with other imperfect people. So our fellowship, sorry, isn't going to be perfect. It won't be. It will be messy. It will be difficult. It will be challenging. It will be stressful. It will be inconvenient. It will be uncomfortable. It will be awkward from time to time. None of those things will be true all the time but it's going to happen. And you know that, don't you? You know that. When you try intentionally to fellowship with other people, like think about having people over to your home, it's not probably ever going to be convenient to do, right? So do we just not do it? Do We, not ever op- we just don't ever open up our home and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't ever uh, engage them in that way. Of course not. No, if we if we wait for the convenient time to use our homes as fellowship points, we'll never do it. And maybe that's why some of you never have. Because you're waiting for something that's never going to happen, the convenient time or the easy time. It's going to be messy. Guess what? People are, even after 40 hours of cleaning your house to have fellowship in them, they're still going to see dirt. And that needs to be okay. I mean, do you have dirt in your home? Yes. You're not going to really, you know, throw a fit and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, I just can't stay here any longer. Kids, come on, we're leaving. Because we saw something on the floor. No, of course not. We need to all get over that. You know, life is messy. Our homes are lived in. They're not museums. It's not the Smithsonian. They're going to show that we live in them. And that needs to be okay with everyone. You can have fellowship without a spotless, pristine, perfect environment. So it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable. And that messiness goes far beyond a physical thing. Relationships, interpersonal connection, it can be messy because we're a mess all of us, in some way, in some form, we're still a mess. We're all constantly being conformed to the image of Christ, but none of us are there yet. So we're still a work in progress, which means we're going to be a mess from time to time. And as we fellowship with other people in the same way, that means it's going to be messy. That means sometimes we're going to say things that we shouldn't or the the wrong way or it's going to be taken away in which we didn't intend and there's going to be misunderstanding, there's going to be miscommunication and there's going to need to be forgiveness sought and forgiveness given. Guess what? That's what it means to be human in the body of Christ. And we need to just be willing to fellowship through it all. So it doesn't mean we're going to agree on every detail. We're going to look at things differently. We're going to have different perspectives. We're going to have different philosophies. We won't agree all the time. It doesn't mean that our fellowship is going to be perfect. But with all of that being said, fellowship is not only possible, it's imperative that that we do that, that we pursue it. And the reason that we can and should must still pursue koinonia, biblical fellowship, the reason that we can still, despite all of our shortcomings and despite all of our messiness, the reason we can still experience beautiful, meaningful fellowship as the church in ways no other associations or organizations in the world can, the reason we can do that and should do that is because our fellowship isn't man-made. And isn't that good news? The fellowship that we can have, that we're all called to in Christ, as Christians, that koinonia, that we're all to be part of, that we're all to pursue, it's not man-made. Jesus created it. He came up with the idea of koinonia. He came up with fellowship. And like everything else in life, whether we acknowledge it or admit it or not, It's actually all about Him. All of this fellowship that we're supposed to have, all this fellowship we're supposed to pursue, it's all about Jesus. It all comes back to Him. All goes back to Him and should point to Him. And so uh, what I mean by that is this, that our fellowship with one another here at this church and, and other churches, I mean the body of Christ as a whole, our fellowship with one another needs to flow from fellowship with our Savior. Our fellowship with one another needs to flow from fellowship with our Savior. Uh, Putting it another way, our vertical fellowship with Jesus, my fellowship with Him, your fellowship with Him, our personal, individual, vertical fellowship has to be strong and healthy before our horizontal fellowship will be. We can't really expect for Uh, fellowship one, one with another to be good, to be right, to be healthy, to be strong, if our fellowship with Christ is not first looked after, tended to, growing, strong, healthy. So we've got to get that right. We've got to get our fellowship with Him, with God, right, before we can expect to have our fellowship with one another right. And our fellowship with one another should be flowing from our good healthy, consistent fellowship with our Savior. Here's what 1 John 1-3 says about that kind of concept, that perspective. 1 John 1-3. This is the Apostle John writing. This is his epistle. Uh, This is, of course, not the same as the gospel that he penned. And he said this, and this should sound familiar as it relates to the gospel of John. 1 John 1-3. What we have seen and heard. The we he's referring to is himself and the other disciples, the other apostles, of which he was the last living one. What we have seen and heard. So eyewitnesses to we we have seen, we have heard directly, personally, what we also declare to you, he says. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. We proclaim it. We teach it. Why? So that you, whoever reads this, so his original readers all throughout the body of Christ at the time, in every age, you and me today, so that you, all of you who are in Christ like we are, so that you may also have fellowship with us and indeed are fellowship, our collective fellowship, the fellowship they have, the fellowship we're all part of, and indeed our fellowship is, don't miss this, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing, an amazing concept. And here's, here's a few things I just want to point out just from this verse that are really important to understand and that we should all marvel at and want to pursue Uh, The first thing that we see here in just this verse is that the fellowship we are part of as the church, the koinonia we are part of, goes back a very, very long way. And it's a sacred legacy. You see that right there in the verse. What we have seen and heard, John and all the original apostles, we declare to you so that you, all who read this, may also become part of the fellowship that we originally had. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So, what happens is when you come to Christ, when you become part of the church, you are connected back to the legacy of faith that has been laid for us. We become part of the same common faith that the early church first enjoyed and first had. Isn't that incredible? It's like, it's like we go back in time and are connected to what began in that first century. And then it just goes down through every age. So in every age, the church is part of the one, same, timeless fellowship. All centered around, all connected to, none other than God the Father and God the Son. That should just blow your mind, church. Nothing else can give you that. Nothing else can provide that or promise that. So it goes back a very long way. It's a sacred legacy. Secondly, the thing I want to point out is, and I already said this, but it it bears repeating, it's based not on, on, on us as individuals. It's not based on our preferences and our opinions and our personalities. The fellowship we are called to, the fellowship we share in, that goes back all the way to the beginning of the, of the establishment of the church. As it was then, so it is now based on the reality of who Jesus is and all he revealed. We see that right there in that first statement, what we have seen and heard. What John is no doubt referring to is much of what he said in the gospel in that prologue, in John chapter 1, particularly John 1.14, and I'm, I'm sure some of you, your minds already went back there. As soon as you heard what we have seen and heard, you were probably thinking of John chapter 1. John 1.14, John says, the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, that's tabernacled among us all the way back to uh, the, uh, the wilderness with Israel when the presence of God would come down into the tabernacle and later on in the temple. The word became flesh and dwelt or pitched a tent with us, among us. And we, John says, here's the, the familiar language, the similar idea, we beheld, we gazed intently at his glory, the glory as of the one and only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what John is saying is, this fellowship that that we have, the fellowship that I want all of you to be part of, that you are part of if you come to Christ, this same connection, it all goes back to who Jesus is. The Word made flesh, dwelling among us, showing us, revealing us uh, to us the Father. John later in in that same chapter says, no one has ever seen the Father, but Jesus Christ has revealed him. So all that Jesus has revealed, all that he pointed to, all that he explains of the Father, that's what our fellowship all goes back to. It all points back to that. The reality of who Jesus is and all he revealed. Then thirdly, this fellowship and I've already alluded to this, it goes way beyond us. And it's an indescribably undeserved privilege to be part of. Don't take your fellowship as a Christian. Don't take your fellowship as being part of the body for granted. Cherish it, church. I want you to think back three years ago to the, the height, the the center of the pandemic, when everything was shut down. You remember when we went for, I forget how long it was, maybe a month, maybe six weeks. I really can't remember uh, exactly. But when we were, we were shut down here and we, we did uh, online or virtual church, it just wasn't the same, was it? I mean, it was what it was. Like we, we did what we could do at the time Uh, We made the best of a a very bad situation, but it just wasn't the same. And how could it be, right? Do you remember when we opened back up and we came and how exciting that was and how just it was like magic almost that we were back and connecting face-to-face and masks notwithstanding? I mean, we were back. We were together. We we all... um, we all have short memories, though. That's the problem with us as human beings. We have short memories. And we take things for granted very easily. And it's very, very easy for us to take our koinonia for granted. To not cherish it. To not see it as precious. To not pursue it. To not see it as vitally important as it is. And I just, so I want to just, using this verse, I just want to remind you that. This fellowship that we get to be a part of. We don't deserve to be a part of. It's undeserved. It's, a, it's an indescribably undeserved privilege to be part of. We need to view it as precious because it is. We also need to understand that it is so much bigger than us and it goes way, way beyond us. So, taking these facts all together the logical conclusion must be that biblical truth is the foundation of biblical fellowship. It has to be. That's what needs to be the foundation of all that we do. Uh, That means that there's a very real standard to which we are accountable to. That's what we have to stay anchored to. We need to understand that about our fellowship. it's It's not just open-ended, without any sort of responsibility or without any sort of importance. There's a very real standard uh, in this fellowship, this biblical fellowship, that we're accountable to and we have to stay anchored to. It's something that we have to preserve and protect. Let me say it this way. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. It's not just something uh, that's reserved for the Bible scholar or the professional pastor. It's not just something to kind of put to the side and not really see as that important for biblical fellowship to be biblical. It has to be founded on biblical truth. That's what has to drive every aspect of our fellowship or, or else it's not really biblical. It's not really any different than the fellowship you can find out there in the world. What sets us apart is not only Christ Himself, but it's the Word of God. And it's the doctrine within it. That's why, at the beginning of this list in Acts 2.42, it says that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were teaching about Christ, who He is, what He's like, the doctrines that are so important that He Himself established. Doctrine matters. Something else really important to understand about Christian fellowship that we have to be very careful to maintain, along with that biblical foundation, is this. For fellowship to be Christian, it has to be marked by humility and by unity. It has to be marked by humility and by unity for fellowship to truly be Christian. Here's what Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 tells us. The Apostle Paul writing here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, I plead with you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The calling being, what's the word? You tell me. Koinonia, Koinonia, exactly. That's the calling we've been called to. So walk in a manner worthy of the calling, the calling of Christ, the koinonia that comes from Christ, the calling to which you have been called, and here it is, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, putting up with one another, bearing up together with one another, in love, Eager, passionate to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of, of peace, so you see right there, humility and unity that 's what 's supposed to mark and drive and, and define our whole fellowship, every part of it, and then he gives some qualifiers why that's important, why that needs to be what defines us. verse four there is one body and one Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. Amen. Oneness, unity all centered around who and what God is and what he has called us to and to pursue and to live out and to demonstrate. Along the same lines, still Paul writing Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, he says this, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, and he's not questioning if there is, he's using irony, uh, it's really sense since there is these things, since this is fact. So if or since there is encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, of course all of those things are present. All of those things are are active and realities through Christ. So if there or since there is all of those things, here's what he says to do about that. Verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Think there's a pattern here of importance? (laughs) Do nothing, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but, here's a contrast that's important to catch, But in humility, bing, 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 count others, view others, more significant than yourselves. Man is that hard to do. Counterintuitive. That's what we're called to. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. And and right there you see that... uh, looking at your your own interest in itself is not bad we need to still do that we still need to we're still alive in this world you know reality is reality we're still living in this life and so we do have to look out for our own interests but notice the the emphasis there look not only don't be just completely occupied with your own interests but also to the interests of others in other words Think about others, not just yourself. Again, hard to do. Counterintuitive, counter nature, counter cultural for sure, but biblical. Marking what true koinonia is all about. Now, all of these things, <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, the, the list of Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, the list here in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, these things that we're called to maintain and to to be defined by. I think you'll all agree this is impossible on our own. Don't you agree? All of those things, those are great things, noble things, honorable things to be called to, but impossible on our own to do. That means we have to depend on and apply the Holy Spirit's power, which we have in Christ, through Christ, as part of the koinonia of Christ. It's given to us. You know, here's the thing. You don't really need to pray for more power. You know, you know like the, uh, who here remembers home improvement? Tim Allen remembers that. You know, he was always saying, more power. <laughs> I did that horribly, but, you know. You, get, you, know, you heard the grunt, right, in the, in the show. More power. He was always about more power. You don't have to, despite what is a popular, popular message within Christendom, tons of books about it, lots of podcasts about more of God. Go hard after God. Get more of God. More power. You know, that's what we need. Here's the thing. You don't need to pray for more power of the Holy Spirit. You need to pray that He has more of you. You need to pray that you are more yielded to His power. He's already given you 100% of His power when you came to Christ. He's dwelling in you in all of His fullness. The fullness of God, believer, dwells in you in all of His might and all of His power. So it's not about getting more power. It's about being more yielded to and and, and applying more the power that is already available to you. Secondly, the thing that to make sure you understand about all this is, and I've already said this, but it just, it's so important to understand, as you see this emphasis in Ephesians 4 and, and Philippians 2 on oneness and the bond of peace and the one spirit and the one Lord and the one faith and the one baptism and and uh, having the same love and being in the same mind and and all of that that Paul writes in both of these passages, what it points to is the fact that, again, the koinonia that we are part of is much bigger and goes way beyond us, way beyond our own little local church here. Sometimes we can be so um, isolated in our thinking. So many times we can, you know, have just kind of these uh, one-way glasses on and we don't see beyond ourselves. But the koinonia we're part of, we're just one small part of. A little part of it. it goes way beyond us. I, I want to refer you back to Brie. Uh, she gave her presentation a few minutes ago up here. Uh, and that's certainly what I took away from it is wow, look at this. There's this body of believers across the ocean that has koinanea. And we're part of the same koinonia. We're part of the fellowship with them. We don't know them at all. They don't know us. But guess what? We're going to be in glory together. We're part of the same amazing divine fellowship. And that's why Bree is there. Because she she got that. She understood that. She has a passion for that. She wants to, to bring more people into that one common faith. And that's what we're all called to do. That's, that's why we have so many missionaries that we support. And church, that's why it is vitally important that we continue to support and partner with all of our missionaries because they are expanding the koinonia that we're all part of. And we get to partner with them in that. The last thing that this all shows us is that it, it, it's not really what it shows us, but it, it's what uh, it, it should call us to, prompt us, it should prompt us to do, to realize, is that there needs to be frequent frequent, and increasing opportunities for real fellowship and increased participation in what koinonia looks like and what it's all about. There needs to be frequent and, and just increasing opportunity for us, for the body, to really engage in the fellowship that we're called to, to be and to pursue and, and to have increased participation in that. Like Acts 2.42 says about the first church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They were devoted to it. It was important. It was a priority. It wasn't just about sitting under the teaching. They also made sure they fellowshiped with one another as they were under the teaching. And as a result of it, it fed into fellowship. The the teaching and the doctrine and all that flowed into real, active participation in fellowship one with another. And that's what needs to be true of us. We already have some opportunities for that. Uh, Every Sunday night, we have life groups that are available. And uh, we have a few that host. Guess what we need? We need more families, more people, more individuals to host life groups, to open their homes so that others from the body can come in and fellowship together around the Word, around a meal, around prayer, around conversation. There is strength And beauty and growth that happens in that small group context that cannot possibly happen in this context on Sunday mornings. It just can't. I mean, yeah, you you connect in a little bit, you know, before around coffee for a few minutes, and you connect for a few minutes afterwards if the pastor will just stop talking up here. But that's not real lasting connection, and that's certainly not developing real community and fellowship. That happens at the small group level. So what we need is more people, more of you, to say, you know what, I would love to open my home. I'm willing to do that. And that doesn't mean you have to be the primary teacher of the small group. We will provide you with somebody to lead that, uh, that time. If you're willing to, to just open your home, but you're not willing to actually lead that spiritual time, that's fine. That's fine be great if you would lead it, but you don't have to. Just open your home. We'll supply a group leader. We need more life groups than what we have. Uh, along with that, this is something that's not happened yet, but this is what we're looking at in the summer. It's in your bulletin, actually. Um, on our Wednesday night activities that we normally have, we're going to be pursuing a different approach to that through the summer months. We're going to have different activities every single Wednesday that is meant to be church-wide, family-wide, Young kids all the way up through older people where we do things together as a body. We're going to do some service projects because guess what happens when you serve together? You get to know each other really well and you grow together by serving together. So we're going to do some service projects together. We're also going to have some times of just... Um, Fellowship around food and and some prayer together, maybe singing some a couple songs together in a very low key, laid back manner, um, and that'll be great. We're gonna have some. Uh, we're looking at uh, outdoor drama out at Grandview. We're looking at some game nights. We're gonna go over to Ace uh, over there in Fayetteville and have a, a good lake day together. Um, more details will be coming at you. I just I'm wanting you to know this is what we're talking about. This. What we're going to be pursuing in the summer on Wednesday nights together is a direct outflow of what we're talking about here. More fellowship together. Meaningful fellowship. There's another thing coming up just this Saturday. The ladies' brunch. Guess what that is? That's koinonia in action. It's koinonia in action. a ladies' brunch. Something as simple as that next Saturday. My point is we need to be looking at more and more ways of actually living out what it means to be part of the fellowship. Because it's not enough to just say that we are. We need to do something about it. That's what we're called to. And that's what we have available to us through Christ. And that's what we're united to together, despite all of our differences, by the same Spirit. May He empower us, may He lead us, direct us, and bless us as we pursue greater koinonia together amen let's pray together father thank you for your word it is so relevant it is so essential and nourishing thank you for what we see in the early church and it's it's meant to be prescriptive not just descriptive it's meant to be what we live out today in 2023 We're part of the same fellowship that the first church was. And so we need to follow their example and and adopt their blueprint for how they experience such incredible growth and power. May we be faithful to the fellowship. May we look for more and more opportunities and more and more ways of developing that and fleshing that out. And please, Father, by your Spirit, please prompt us individually, convict us individually to be more committed, more vested in this fellowship. And I pray that you would grow us deep, really, really deep. Because until we grow deep together with roots that go down deep, deep, deep down below the surface we really can't grow out. We can't grow wide unless we are first growing deep. So may that happen by your Spirit. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.